So the thing about limited merch or like limited everything is like everyone wants to have it. Like if it's limited, everyone wants to have it. Like I was setting up merch for um, youth night, an event at the church. And um, the guy the guy that was printing it, um, he was like, um, so do you think kids would pay 50 bucks for this crew neck? I'm like, I think they'd pay 200 for it. And he's like, I was like, if you make it 200 bucks, everyone would want it. But if you make it cheap, then no one would want it. It's like such a weird effect that like money has or like cost has on people. Like if a pair of shoes is 600 bucks, everyone wants them. But if the same pair of shoes is $20, no one wants them. It makes no sense. No, it does. Well, you're right. And it doesn't make sense. And it was a test that was done. I don't know if you understand or you've heard about that. No, I haven't. Test study they did in L.A. Pay less shoes. Oh, my. Yeah, I heard Pay this less shoes. TikTok. Took the same shoes out of pay less shoes and put them in, made a real fancy, beautiful place on, I believe it was Rodeo Drive yeah. in Hollywood. And they called it Palessi. Mm-hmm. And they were selling shoes for hundreds of dollars more, like six, five, six hundred dollars a pair. And people were coming there and they were they were talking about the shoes and they said, We can tell this is just such a high quality the shoe. Same Look shoes. At exact same shoes that were made out of fake leather, really vinyl, and they're selling them for six hundred dollars. They did tell them yeah. what they were doing mm. and they couldn't believe and they were just blown away. And that just goes to show that there's the value is in Who's merchandising it? Yeah. Yeah. And and the availability of that particular shoe. There's only one of those stores, Palessi. Mm. And like the thing is, I don't know, like if there's a couple there's probably a couple shoe people listening to this podcast right now. Um Panda Dunks have become the new Air Force One. Like it's just the basic shoe now. Um, I think the cost is still holding around $180 on like GOAT StockX, like resale websites. But I got mine in the summer for retail off Nike. They are the lowest quality shoes I have ever had. Like, worst leather, worst comfortability. Like, they are so uncomfortable. Like, I just, I don't like the shoes. I will never, I, I never wear them because they're just, like, uncomfortable. They're cheap. They're cheap looking. I don't like the way they look. They look fake. Like, they literally look fake. I don't get it. But, yeah, stupid prices and shoes and palessi (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah it's another episode um we on episode six or seven i think this is seven i think it is seven whatever seven let's go All right, so today we're going to be talking about application. And so I just want to start off with this verse. Let me flip in my Bible. It's James. James 1, uh, verses 22 through 25, I believe. Yeah. Um, so it's this says that, this is uh, an LT translation, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and completely, and you forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law 
that sets you free. And if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you from doing it. So what is this saying? It's saying don't just be a professional reader of the word, be a professional applier of the word. See, hearing, it's, it's powerful, but there's something different about you actually applying what you hear. I heard a, um, I heard a sermon illustration uh, last night. I was listening to one, and this guy was like, you have to, there's a lot of people who are professional sermon hearers. hearers. They can hear a sermon, but, if, but they don't apply it. For, there's a lot of professional sermon sharers, too. They just listen to sermons like, oh, so-and-so needs to hear this, like whatever. But there needs to be a specific part of hearing a sermon that is application of that. And there's something uh, and there's something significant about you applying what you hear. One sermon can change your life, but l- only listening to 100 changes nothing. You have to apply what you hear. Yeah, that's, um, you're absolutely right. And I think we we do that, all of us do that to an extent. We're, we're all um, guilty of listening and not applying, but I think sometimes it has to do with our minds aren't in the right place when, when we're listening or when we're, we're at church and we're hearing a sermon and we bring our baggage with us, you know, in, in our minds, the, yeah. the baggage in our minds from the week, and we don't, we don't get in the right atmosphere. And that's what I believe worship is for, is to create the right atmosphere in our in our hearts and in our minds to receive. And if we if we don't go in with the right attitude and we don't, you know, uh, take part in the worship, then we're um, we're leaving ourselves in a position where we're not fully open and available to receive. Yeah, and I think the most important part to see and remember, and um, there's a lyric. In a song, uh, it's one of my favorite songs right now. It's called Monday Morning Faith. And the bridge, it talks about how hell is not scared of um, just empty praise. If you're only, if praising God is just an action with your arms raised and not a mental action with your heart opening to him, there's no value in it. You can be a really strong example without having you be changed by the Spirit of God. And... I think th- that bridge was significant for me where it really changed me where if you're only praising God just for the action and not for the the spiritual action just for the physical action there's no true there's no real value in you only praising God physically and not spiritually and mentally. I think a lot of times when you know a lot of people, you know, you gotta imagine all the different kind of people that go to church or to listen to church online. You gotta think about the all, all these different kind of people, which all of them come from a different walk of life, and they all come out of different scenarios that they've been subjected to or are going through. So when they go to church, they do the best. I feel like a lot of them just they do the best that they can to listen absorb it and apply it, you know, um, you know that it's in there, but sometimes you just don't know where people, what they're, what they're, what they're going through, because I can honestly say there's sometimes I've go to church and because of 
certain things that I'm going through, I just feel like I just, I went to church, I went through the motions, I went home and nothing happened. You know, like, I just feel like I felt really, I don't know, blah, whatever, numb, whatever that word is that when you just feel like you got nothing out of that church service or whatever. Um, but you know, I, I haven't experienced any kind of, you know, crazy trauma or, you know, in-depth stress, you know, stress of divorce or whatever in my life. But I know that there's a lot of people that are going through that struggle right now and it's, it's hard for them, you know? Yeah. Yep. And I, I think, yeah, and I think it's, it's significant just to be, I mean, if you're going through that, I understand it. And, um, I encourage the people who aren't going through that to be, um, just an encouragement to the people who are. Um, just encourage those who are going through difficult times and there is power in you just simply saying, Hey man, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad that you came to church today, whatever. And that really, um, I believe it helps people focus on what's important. I'm glad you're here saying, I'm not just glad that you showed up, but I'm glad that you came to church so that God can move through your life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because that kind of, that opens the door and it helps them feel like this is a safe place, you know, because like I said, there's so much, we all know there's so much wicked in this world, you know? So when they come to church, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a whole new world, a whole new ball game for people, especially new Christians. So like you want to be that person that's going to help them, you know, take the next steps and, and figure out how to begin their journey. And then, like I said, you know, they just absorbed a whole lot. So now they need to apply something that they've never done before, you know? Well, just a little bit on, on you know, to, to bring that a little more clear and people coming to church for the first time and something that uh, was talked about in church today is about inviting those people to church. Mm-hmm. Um, people want to be invited. They yeah. want They want an environment where they can go and feel safe, but they also want to feel accepted and um, that's the first step. We can invite people. They don't have to say yes. But if we never ask them, you never know. Yeah. yeah. And we and we as Christians feel like eh, they don't want to go to church. You know, they're busy. They're whatever. We make up excuses, but we need to like, that's exactly what the enemy wants. You know, we have to remove whatever that thought is and say, no, I'm actually going to just invite them to church, you know. And that pushback is like the validation or the fact that you should, you should invite them. You should invite them. And like Satan wouldn't be pushing back on something. God isn't going to prevent someone from coming to church. He isn't going to say, oh no, not them. Like he's not going to say that. He wants everyone to go to church. He wants everyone to experience him. going to make you the next door neighbor to the person. God will make you the next door neighbor to the person he wants at church. You know, he'll make that happen. Yeah, and I think it's gotten confused where people feel pushback and they think it's the Holy Spirit pushing them back or they think it's God pushing them back from inviting that person or talking to that person, praying for that person, um, going up to that person and saying whatever is on their heart. But that pushback is just validation that that is what you're supposed to do. Because if you're... I heard this in a Mike Todd sermon and it really was really impactful he said, everything that Satan says has to completely contradict what God says. It has to completely go against it. 
and you think, well, well, not really, because like in Genesis one, in Genesis uh, three, I believe, it says that uh, or Satan comes in the form of a serpent, and he says, "Did God really say that?" It doesn't sound like he's completely twisting it, but he really is. Yeah, and I think that's important to know that if you're feeling a pushback from showing somebody love, from to show somebody who God is, who God has been to you, who what God is going to do in their life. That is validation that you should show them. Yeah. And um yeah, and I think that's the most important. If you feel a pushback, that validates the point you should go. Yeah, I agree. I agree a hundred percent with that. So what do you what do you think about applying God's word? How do you what do you think about that? So I just pulled up this verse, Matthew seven. Um um a lot of people have heard this but maybe not in scripture form, maybe in a song. Um, but it's Matthew 7, verses 24, I was 3 through 27. Um, anyone, this is Jesus talking right here, red letters. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a, fa- or builds a house on a solid rock. Sorry. Though the rain comes down in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat up against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But because, but why can't I read this? But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rain, when the rains and floods come and the winds beat up against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. So I want to point this out. First verse, this is like Jesus says it straight off. It says, anyone who listens, last last episode was listen leadership who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise there's two steps listening and also following listening and applying you can't just listen to the word of god you can't just read the word of god you must be applying it like we read in the beginning there's a difference between hearing something and applying it i can hear a lot of things that the world says but that doesn't mean that I have to believe it. I can hear a lot of things that the, that God's word says, but if I don't apply it, it's not going to change me. And so it comes down to you being willing to follow it. Because it, like this verse says, if you do listen, but also follow it, you will have this strong foundation that is on bedrock. And that bedrock will keep you solid in the middle of the storm. It says, even though the floodwaters rise in the torrents torrents even though the rain comes down in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat up against that house it will not collapse simply because there was application of the teaching of jesus and the word of god and so this is why it's so significant if you are struggling so much right now that you feel like you're so consumed with your circumstance maybe it's um, a mental struggle, maybe it's just you're really stressed out about the, uh, that test coming up, whatever it is, I don't know what it looks like for you, but there is there is really a strong power within you listening to the Word of God, but also applying it. There is peace that comes, there is joy that comes, there is patience that comes. All of the things that you need for that circumstance comes when you simply listen to the Word of God, but also apply it. Right, and it comes down to trusting what you're reading too. You know, as we read the word, we're opening our our minds to what the word 
what God is talking to us or how he's talking to us and what, what he's trying to say in, in that scripture. And as we read, we may read and we may never, we may not get anything from it at the time that we're reading. We'll go back and we'll read it again. That's what pastor said today that sometimes he'll read and not get anything from it. And he'll just read and get stuck right in that, right in that chapter for weeks or months sometimes studying that chapter and wanting to know how is this going how does this apply and how can I apply it to my life and how can I use this to teach others and I believe that when we read we just continually read we we ask God for wisdom uh, as we read and understanding so that we can eventually use that and apply it in our lives and at the time at the right time when that when that scripture is needed, it'll be revealed to us and it'll come back to us and we'll remember that particular verse and it's going to apply to somebody's life at the right time. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I also, I think, you know, when you were talking, Mason, like a lot of times, you know, you listen and you apply, you know, and it sounds really simple. And <clears throat> I mean this in a good way. You're you're 16 years old. I'm not, and neither is Dad. And there's things that Dad and I have been through together where we listened, we prayed, we applied, and we waited. Yeah. For a really long time. So it can be, it can get frustrating when you're like, okay, when? <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, when? <laughs> we've learned so much from that. And that's what, and that's always been my prayer, that God, this is your place, this is your timing, and whatever's supposed to happen in these situations, it's not about me and what I want or what Tammy and I want. It's about what you want, what what lessons, or what how are you grooming us mm-hmm. with the responsibilities that we're going to need later in life, that we're going to learn through these these struggles. We're going to learn through these situations, and then at the right time, it's going to be revealed to us. And we've seen that happen time and time again over, you know, throughout our relationship and how every time that we just remember to stop, listen, trust, that the application of God's Word stands true every time. Um, and every time we come out ahead. We come out ahead of it, champions. Not us champions, but God and his word championing through us. Yeah. Yeah, and you're talking about waiting, and uh, it's been one of my favorite verses forever, Isaiah 40, 31. A lot of y'all probably know this, but uh, it says, but those who trust in the Lord will will find new strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. So a lot of people know this verse as, um, they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings. And I think this is like significant, and it's something God's been teaching me a lot, where in the waiting is where you can find strength. You end up getting burnt out because you're trying to rush the timing of God. You end up getting stressed out, anxious, because you're trying to force something that isn't even meant to happen for however until however long later and god is trying to 
he he has a plan. He has a purpose through this season of waiting, whether that's development or it's just telling you, look, bro, you just got to be patient. And there's a there's that peace and that joy. And it says that we will not get weary when we trust, when we wait on the Lord. And I I love that verse just because it really shows, it just shows like what God can do through you just waiting on him, through you just looking to him in your, in your struggle, in your whatever it looks like for you. And when you're struggling, when you're trying to figure everything out, God is just saying, look, I know you're stressed out about this, but I have a plan through all of it. And I'm not expecting you to figure it all out because I already have. But I'm just waiting for you to be patient and wait on me and trust in me. That makes so much sense. It hits the nail on the head um, that, you know, by waiting um, and being patient, I think when we're not and we try to force God's hand and God's plan, that's when anxiety enters our our bodies our minds and like you said it makes us tired makes us weary mm-hmm. and um we can't push or force god's timing and we have to remember that in every situation i and think also like with you know when you're trying when you're saying force it you know we only have in our minds we can only imagine certain scenarios we don't understand like god can create something so much bigger so much better and so much more than what like you know we can come up with a plan and we can think we got it all figured out but like you know it it really ultimately like when you know when dad and I would wait through a certain scenario or situation through you know situations or whatever we'd be praying and we would have to wait you know for a season and the end result was always never what we would ever it was never what we imagined you know it was never it was never what we we thought oh you know we're gonna make this plan and this is what it's gonna be and then it was so much bigger than what we you know what we thought was gonna happen yeah and like you're saying like you were almost hinting at these two verses like Ephesians 3 20 and 21 and uh this verse that just came to mind when you said that um, let me, I don't know why I'm in Amplified Translation. Here we go. Um, Isaiah 64, 4 says, For since the world began, no ear has heard, no eye has seen a God like you who works for those who wait for him. Yep, that's it. And I want to pull this in. You were try- Dad, you were talking about like trying to control the hand of God, and you were talking about being anxious. Obviously, I think about this story of Jesus on... In Gethsemane or on the Mountain of Olives, whatever you, Mount of Olives, whatever you want to call it. And um, it's just uh, Jesus is Jesus is getting um, stressed out or anxious. And he obviously doesn't want to die on the cross, but he knows the power of what it can do. And so he said in verse 42, Luke 22, verse 42, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Verse 43, then an angel from heaven appeared to strengthen him. I think that verse is over, overlooked. Verse 43, then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. So why did that happen? Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. 
that's when strength came. Because he said, I don't want to control this. I don't want my will to be done. And as a result, God said, okay, if you, if you aren't trying to control this, I'm going to strengthen you through this season. I'm going to give you the strength to get through this. I'm going to give you the strength to walk through what I need you to walk through. And that's so true when it comes down to it is that God has this purpose for you and it doesn't always involve you being prosperous and perfect and everyone looking to you and praising you. Sometimes it involves you suffering and going through things where it's difficult. But God is going to give you that strength when you surrender to him and when you say, not my will be done, but yours. Right, and I think that's when we're going through those struggles in life that we're learning to trust, we're learning strength through the through the word, um, and just listening to to what God has for us. Because I believe every situation leads to another situation. You might be going through something, and you're going through it for a very long time. But if you trust God through the process, you have peace and comfort through that process. No matter what it is, it might not always be comfortable. God didn't promise life would be comfortable. Yeah. Uh, but as we go through these things, we're being strengthened, and we have to stay in the Word during those times. And as we go through these these times, we're being strengthened because God's created, God is giving us strength, building us up, because there's going to be other trials in life. And when those trials come and, come and attack us, we're going to be ready for those situations. We'll be more equipped, and we'll be able at that point to apply God's Word. Yeah. And, yeah, and I think that's so true. And I think that there's this, I I think that some people read the word of God. I know, or at least I know I used to do this. I don't know if this applies to everyone, but I know I used to do this as a leader. Um, and as, as someone who um, is, God is gifted in communicating. And I used to just read the word of God just to teach other people, just to say, oh, well, y'all, y'all really messed up, bro, like, whatever, and write a message about how you need to love God more when I really wasn't doing that myself, and it's, and there's, or at least I know as a, as a communicator in the past, I have looked at, okay, I need to write this cool message and make it sound all good, but I wasn't applying my own message. I wasn't practicing what I preached. And we can see it, like I said this in the last podcast, Jesus was the best leader of all time. And he was he is going to be the best leader forever. But the thing is, he practiced what he preached. He said, now go love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. What did he do? He forgave. Exactly that. He forgave on, he, it literally says he forgave on, he says, I, I believe this is in Luke 23. Um, he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. They're, he's literally praying for the people who are persecuting him and, just, and yeah. nailing him to the cross. And it's, uh, it's like he practiced what he preached. This is why people love Jesus so much, but also why he was hated so much because the other leaders didn't know how to do that. They didn't know how to walk out what they preached. And so it ca- it came down to, okay, sick. I love the word of God. I'm reading it. But am I also going to apply what he's teaching me 
or am I just gonna, or am I just going to communicate it to others? Because I found myself doing this in the past, where God is like, "Yeah, I gave you this awesome word. Now you can communicate it to others, but first you got to communicate it to yourself. You got to live it. You got to be that. You got to be that example. You got to be authentic. And when you're authentic in your in your delivery, people recognize that. They see who you are through your actions. And right. Right. You know, that's just not in preaching, but that's in everything in life. Um, I struggle with this quite a bit in, you know, in the industry that I'm in. You know, I drive boats. I drive yachts for people. I'm, I'm, I'm working with people that are at a very high financial level, and um, most of them just believe they're, they could take care of themselves and they don't need anything else. They don't need a higher power. They don't want to hear about it. And I struggle because how do I share, how do I share Jesus with them? And it's been through application by applying God's word to my life and just living it out in front of them. And that's basically what I do. And I've been told by people that, you know, that, that I've encouraged them and I've touched their lives because of my actions and who I am and that I, that I really live it out. And I heard it from one person one time, and I thought, oh, yeah, they're, you know, they're already Christian. They, they, they see this. But then I started hearing it from other people and other captains and other uh, yacht brokers that, you know, they're, they kind of live behind the scenes and they don't share the Word of God with people. They don't live that way. And they uh, have come to me for, for advice and, uh, for, and just for being so bold and uh, being able to put myself in front of people, and I don't think I do it enough. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think that's Satan attacking me too, thinking I'm not, you're, you're no good, you're not, this is, you're just a captain, or, you know, you these the, nobody wants to hear this from you. They, their lives are too busy. Yeah. And, um, you know, I got to get past that. But I try to live in a way that people see Jesus and me all the time. Yeah, a lot of times for you, Mark, it's just living being an example. It's not necessarily what you say, but a lot of times it's what you do, just being an example. And for Mason, the reason why I feel like you were struggling with that in the beginning is balancing it because you're, you're, you're in this, you're very much so a person that just wants to help people. So you have, you're, you're getting all this great information from the Bible and you want to give it to people because you're trying to help them not realizing that you have to help yourself, just like they tell you on an airplane, you know, when you're a mom, you have to take the oxygen first and then give it to your baby, which is such a weird, you know, like you can't imagine giving yourself something before you would give your child as a mother. But I mean, what is that child going to do if I don't have oxygen? I can't save that baby if I'm not there to save it, you know? So I, I think yours, Mason, was just figuring out the balance. It was an innocent thing. You just had to, you know, just figure it out so that you can be more impactful and successful in what you're trying to do with the word. Yeah, and the Bible even says, like, um, I can't, I was trying to find it while you were talking, but I can't find it. Um, but I know it's, it's somewhere in Matthew. Um, but it's talking about how you have to take out the log in your own eye yeah. before trying to take <laughs> yep. the speck out of someone else's. 
Yeah. Your issue is more is more um sometimes more significant than someone else's and you have to tend to that before you're like oh bro you're really struggling like what are you doing yeah like sometimes it comes down to you being like okay what am i struggling with though because that is a that's that's a significant part in faith it's like okay cool yeah but i mean we all have our struggles everybody struggles with different things and if we we need to recognize those things that we struggle with in order to be able to apply God's word to our lives too. Mm-hmm. Um, if we we can go out and preach and share the word, but if we're not living it, then then we're not. What kind of example is that? People are going to look at us and we'll be hypocrites. You know, we're, they're looking at us as if, hey, th- why is this guy preaching to me when he's the guy out doing all this? You know, he's yeah. the one that's out drinking, he's out smoking, he's out, you know, whatever whatever's going on in his life, and he's preaching to me. Now yeah. that person might receive something if they're that open yeah and desperate for to hear god's word but the majority of the times when we share god's word with people and we're not living the life Mm -hmm. it's going to backfire yeah so matthew 7 verse um three through five three through five um and why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own how can you think of saying to your friend Hey bro, let me get you let, let me help you get that get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye. Mm-hmm. Hypocrite. You must first get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. And I, hmm. Let's think about that. So, obviously there's the there's the obvious teaching of okay, so you have yeah, the log in your own eye, that's pretty significant. I wouldn't want a log in my eye. But I honestly hate when a speck is in my eye. And you know how, like, when you get sand in your eye and it scratches your eye? And then, it, it like, imagine what a log does to your eye. Yeah. It comes back, it almost comes back to relatability. Where you can say, this is just, I'm just going to go with the word here. Hey, bro, I used to have a log in my eye. Now I can bring relatability into my ministry and say, I can remove this speck from yours. Yeah. Yeah, I like the way it's it's quoted in the message. Um it's it's Matthew seven, one through five. Don't pick on people, jump on their failures, criticize their faults, unless of course you want the same treatment. That critical spirit has a way of boomeranging. <laughs> it's easy to see a smudge on your neighbor's face and be and be oblivious to the ugly sneer on your own. Do you have the nerve to say, let me wash your face for you when your own face is distorted by contempt? Mm. It's it's this whole traveling road show mentally all over again, playing a holier-than-thou part instead of just living your part. Wipe that ugly sneer off your own face, and you might be fit to offer a washcloth to your neighbor. Yeah. Yeah, and I I like I like how it says it. It's like, how are you supposed to help someone else when you're dealing with a similar issue yourself, a bigger issue? It says that this guy, his friend's dealing with a speck, and you're dealing with a log. It's pretty big of a difference, and we can look at someone else's issue and say, "Bro, what are you doing?" Like that's such a big issue, but we look past our own to see someone else's because we're trying to find. 
contentment within our issue because we're comparing ours to someone else's Mm -hmm. and we're trying to find that relatability when God is just trying to heal us. But I also think it's important as brothers and sisters in Christ that we, we, um, we strengthen our brothers and we, we help them recognize what's going on in their life. If somebody's struggling with something, uh, a good friend, um, you don't just go out in the, you know, pick somebody out of the crowd. But if you're close to somebody and you're sharing with them, and you're a trusting friend, and they're struggling with something and they're coming to you with it, but they're trying to make excuses for what they they're doing, even though your life's not perfect, you need to call them out on that and say, "Listen, bro, what you're doing is not right." Yeah. You know, I I don't live a perfect life, but I I see what you're what you're telling me here is not make not adding up. This isn't of God. Mm-hmm. And if you feel like this is the right move that you need to be making, then you better pray about that because I see a problem here, and I'm just here to help you. Not you're not condemning them, yeah, but you're trying to help them in their situation. And time and time again, that's happened in my life. It's happened in my friends' lives, and and so many times it's just like you call them out, and when you hear that word from them, or you know they're calling you out on it. You don't want to talk to them. You don't want to be their friend. You don't want to listen to what they're saying. Yeah. Because, you know, they're right. Yeah. They're right in this situation, mm-hmm. and you need to apply it. You need to go back and pray about that and get yourself right. Yeah. And I think it comes back to the old saying, don't trust a leader without a limp. Don't trust a leader without them struggling themselves. Mm-hmm. Because a perfe- or a perfection, a leader that is perfect, or... Why can't I say this? A perfect leader. <laughs> a perfect leader does not exist, and if they do, they're lying. Right. right, right. A leader's always learning. Yeah, and it comes down to you saying, or it comes down to the leader being able to be vulnerable to the point where the people they are teaching or the people they're leading, whatever it looks like in your situation, they can say, I can relate to this person, right? Yeah. And people can... People can uh, admire. I heard this in a Chad Beach podcast. Um, I people can admire your strengths, but relate with your weaknesses. Yeah, yeah. I I don't. I, I've been trying to find a scripture that you just quoted just a couple minutes ago, like probably three scriptures ago. But I was trying to find it, but I can't find it because I don't. I didn't catch it quick enough. But a lot of times, I feel like <clears throat> people that hurt you they don't realize they're hurting you. Sometimes they don't see their patterns or how impactful they are with their actions or their words and how they they just don't they because they're they're on their own path, they're in their own lane, they're focused on their own journey. They're not they don't realize what they just did to you or what they've been doing to you or what they have done to you for years, you know? Yeah. And I, I mean, everyone knows the saying hurt people, hurt people. But I was thinking about this. Love people, love people. If you're loved, you're simply going to wonder why we talked about that. And like, where you're going to wonder why they're loving you and, you're going to end up going back to that person saying, why are you, why are you so, why are you so nice to me when I'm so mean to you? Whatever. And people love people, love people. That's what I believe anyway, that when you are able to love someone else, they're going to wonder why, but also they're going to be willing to apply that principle to their life because they know how much it changed them. 
Yeah. I agree with that. I, d- I mean, I was just making that, that, I guess, analogy when, you know, people that have the speck in their eyes, sometimes, like Dad was saying, they're not aware of what, that they even have that in their eye or that they're they're doing a certain thing that is hurting you. They're not aware of it. It's not, they're not, they're not doing it um, to be, you know, spiteful or, or mean in whatever way, but sometimes it's just, it just happens. And I don't know, we all have to have grace with people and pray for them. If, you know, you know, pray for them through the situation. Like dad said, talk to them if you have the opportunity, but do the best you can to not become offended. It all comes back to love God, love people. I mean, that's again, the best application you can have. Yeah. Um, because that's the, I think that's the basis. That's the foundation for applying God's word right off, right off the bat. First and second commandments. Yeah. It's it's the, that's, if you could sum the law up into two, uh, two or four words, it would be love God, love people. Cause everything else flows out of that. If you love God, you'll love his word. If you love people, you'll be more like Jesus. Jesus was the best leader. You'll become more like the best leader. God loves everyone. The more you love God, the more you'll love people. The more you love people, the more you'll become like Jesus. This is just a big loop. It's just a big snowball effect at that point. When you are able to love God and love people, you'll become more of what he has created you to be. And when you apply his word, when you aren't just listening to it, but also applying it, you become more like him. And... Like, cause Jesus, he, he could hear from God. Like it said, like we talked about it many, many times. He went off and he prayed in isolation. He went off and he prayed early in the morning. He went off and prayed in the middle of the night, whenever. And during this, he would hear from God in that time. He would apply that principle teaching or sermon to himself before walking out and telling other people about it. Well, you talk, think about applying God's word. That's just like um, when they got in the boat to cross to the other side, right? Yeah. Jesus told them to go to the other side. Yeah. And it was a storm come, and they were tired. They were just they went through all this, you know. They just fed the five thousand people or more, uh, five thousand families basically, right? Yeah. Uh, fed the families, and you know they're not walking around on some nice carpeted or concrete floor in a in a restaurant. You know, this is a hillside, yeah, covered with rocks and dirt, and mm-hmm. you know they're tripping and slipping and falling and carrying stuff and getting bruised up and cut up the whole time. They're tired. They're done with all this, and then Jesus tells them to go to the other side. And um, it, what what's the purpose of them going to the other side? In, in the midst of it, they come. They there's a storm, right? They finally get to the other side, and what's waiting for me on the other side? God's waiting for me on the other side because He told me He would meet them there. Yeah, Jesus said He would meet them on the other side, and so it wasn't about, you know, that's applying them applying what God's asked them to do. So they had to go through this trial and go through this terrible storm to get to where to what God had. He was strengthening through that. And that's, you know, they, they were obedient, they listened, and that's applying God's word. And they got to the other side, and that's where they heard from Jesus when he met them there. Yeah. Yep. And 
Yeah, it's right after you were talking about 5,000, my favorite miracle. Um, but, yeah, and I think this is, I don't even know if this is going to go with the um, the message or the podcast today, but I just want to point this out. So, so Jesus, he sends them across. You were talking about, like, when Jesus walks on the water, right, in Matthew 14? Right. Yeah, so... Yeah. um. So, verse 22, immediately after all of this, so all of, he feeds the 5,000 people immediately after. So, they didn't even rest. Right. They just you left. just get up and go. Let's just go. And he said, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. So, Jesus said, y'all leave. I'm going to send the people home. And so, after sending them home, he went into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell, and he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble, far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. Everyone knows the story. At then or at 3 a.m., Jesus comes walking on the water, but I want to point this out. Je- or Jesus was in the hills. That means that he could see pretty far, much farther than the disciples. He knew a storm was coming. He could see the storm coming. And he sent his disciples and he said, y'all go. I'll see y'all in a minute. And so it, it comes down to, you can go into a storm and you can go into it without Jesus and he can see the storm coming. But when you need him most is when he'll come walking into the situation in the most miraculous way possible. And I think that's cool, like walking on the water. He just showed up. He could have just flew in, but he walked on the water because he wanted to show his power in the midst of a storm. And it comes back to it in Matthew 7 where we read about a foundation and applying the word of God where when you can follow it, hear it, but also follow it, it creates a foundation that can withstand the storm. Yeah, it's just amazing how many how many things took place in that miracle in that time walking on the water and the faith and the not just the faith but the um the doubt uh, that they had in the situation and the fact that Jesus did see or did know that there was a storm coming because he could see it from where he was. Yeah. But he was at peace knowing that there was a solution and that, that there, nobody was going to perish here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I want to try to pull it back here. Um, it's a really cool uh, podcast so far today, but y'all have heard us talked about, or talk about application and whatever else, and we expanded a lot on it. But I just want to really get into this because um. Everyone knows this one story of the parable of the scattering of the seed, the farmer scattering the seed, and there's four different places where the seed goes. It goes, um, it goes on. Let me read this. Sorry. Um, so there's a place where it goes on the path, on the footpath, and that um, represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches it, snatches it away. That's the birds, and they come and snatch it away. Then the seed on the rocky soil represents those who 
hear the message but and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, hold on to that word roots, they don't last long. And they will soon fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. But, this is the main part, the seed that fell on the good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times what had been planted. This is all found in Matthew 13, um, just through pretty much verse 1 through 23, um, just the explanation and everything. Um, but this goes into it. It says, it talks about roots. It talks about um, it talks about the seed and the four different types of believers. It divides the four different types of people who hear the word of God. It says, um, and there's another verse that says, every single person, before Jesus comes back, every single person is going to hear the message in the gospel. And so this is what it looks like. There's four different types of people who hear it. And so um, there's four different types of people. And um, I think the most interesting one is the one that has the rock under the soil. The people who immediately receive it with joy, but it's automatically crowded out by everything and it falls apart as soon as they're persecuted and um, their worry starts to creep in. And so... I want to pull this one verse in and uh, Ephesians 3. Um, Ephesians 3, verse 17, it says, um, Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And so um, if you know, if you know um, a little bit about uh, God's word, you know it's just a love letter from God to us so that we could under or tried to comprehend who God was and who Jesus was. And so as our roots get deeper in that, we will eventually grow this foundation that will be able to withstand a lot or any circumstance. And so I want to, I, I thought about this and um, I thought this was a cool example. Um, and so I've, I've there's this one tree that we that that's in Maryland at our Maryland house and it's right outside my a window in Maryland outside my bedroom and the roots they go down to the ground but some of them came up out of the ground and they came up so I thought about it if all of these roots came up so if all the roots went down two feet however far and then they came back up so you could see all of them what could the tree actually withstand? barely anything like in florida we have palm trees and if you don't know what the bottom of a palm tree looks like it just looks like a ball on the bottom so it really can't withstand a lot of those winds or whatever and we have a lot of hurricanes obviously so there's just a lot of palm trees laying around and so i i thought about this you might be wondering why i'm talking about visible roots well maybe it's because well mom talked about this before we started um what was you say, say the example you said, because it made a lot of sense. I don't remember. It was about the iceberg. Oh, yeah, because like with, um, like I always, like you talk about the illustration of the roots under um, the tree outside your bedroom window. Those roots, they definitely 
are like, you know, coming back up out of the ground. And that's a massive pine tree that you're referring to. So it's not stable. And then you also referred to like a palm tree. Well, the reason why in Florida they plant palm trees is because of hurricanes, but it's also because Florida is a a large majority of Florida land is all coral. So it can't, like there is no such thing as a tree that has roots that go down deep because it can't because of rocks. And then when we were talking, like you were saying, um, I always, I guess it's just old school, you know, looking at, you know, like the foundation, you know, whatever. I always love the illustration of an iceberg because you had, like you see the top of the ice and it's, you know, it looks pretty massive. You know, you see the top of it, but you, the ice underneath of that iceberg goes thousands and thousands and thousands of feet deep. It's crazy deep with an iceberg, like, you know, what it looks like. Like you got gigantic white ice like mountain above and then underneath it's a gigantic ice and, and it's just it's a beautiful illustration but yeah the stability that iceberg is under the water yeah yeah and so the reason why i pulled out why like you might be like i know it, i was it probably sounded really confusing because um i didn't finish it all the way but i talked about visible roots when the roots come up, there is automatically they lose value, they lose strength, they lose that foundation that they had because they started to go the wrong direction. And so I want to pull this Matthew six. Um, it's talk. Jesus is talking right here. He's talking about uh, prayer and fasting. Um, he says, "When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on the street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them." I tell you the truth. That is all the reward they will ever get. So he's talking about the praise of people will be all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. And so I want to point this out. It says that when when you pray, not if you pray, when you pray, but that's not the point, go and shut the door behind you. It's saying that you you don't have to sound all good and sound like you know everything and pray in King James Version. You just have to have a conversation with God. So how do we apply God's Word? Or how do we apply a sermon that we hear at church? It's simply by us going to prayer and saying, God, what are you trying to teach me through this? But not only that, because God can speak. But if He speaks and we don't apply it, we really didn't gain anything from that, right? So we have to apply what he speaks after we pray. And so the visible roots have no value. So when you pray, make sure you go away. Make sure you go and you pray in your room or you pray in your shower or you pray whatever. And you don't always have to sound super good. And we, I think a lot of people get intimidated by their pastors or they get intimidated by their small group leaders. And... They're like, well, why can't I pray like that? Why can't I do that? And people get intimidated that, and they end up not praying because they think they can't. And I tell my small group this every every Sunday: y'all can pray. Y'all, are, I know y'all are sixth graders, but you guys can pray, and you guys have significance, and God hears you. And prayer is just a conversation with God. It's not some elaborate thing that you've made up in your mind. It's simply a conversation with God. 
and you just have to talk to him and that's how you will develop these roots and these and this deep foundation that we talk about and that is what will add value to your life is simply you talking to God and that will help you grow that foundation. Yeah, and I also think like when you're in you know difficult circumstances or frustrating situations or whatever and you don't know what to say or you don't know how to say it just you know, you, you can just talk to God with a little bit of whatever can come out, you know, and he knows the rest. He's going to, as long as you're going to him, he knows how to fill in those gaps. So like you were saying, you don't have to be, you know, you don't have to have all these fancy words. You don't have to do anything fancy with your body. You don't have to, there's nothing, you know, like you don't have to sit a certain way or, you know, hold your hands a certain way or anything like that. It's like you said, it's, it's basically just a conversation like you would have with your best friend and <clears throat> relying on him in the good, tr- you know, thanking him for what he has blessed you with in the bad, you know, whatever the search, you know, the s- situation could be. It could be you're failing a certain semester and you're going to have to repeat that whole class again. You know, it, it could be you're, you know, you're having challenges with relationships. You know, there's so many things where you just go to God and ask him how to, you know, for wisdom basically, or whatever the, you know, you know, help that you need. He's there and he wants, that's his thing. He wants to be there to help you. He, that's his desire. I also, I think too, I mean, like, you know, I, I just praying for different situations and, and people through life, you know, where it's like, you know, praying for peace in certain, you know, situations, you know, when somebody's going through a difficult time, you know, praying for peace is something you can pray for. You can pray for wisdom. You can pray for healing. There's so many things that you can just go to God and talk to him about, like whatever your circumstances, um, you know, just to help you. I mean, you can pray for God to give you better time management. You can pray to God for him to help you become a better mother or father. You know, there's so many things that you could talk to God about. And like you said, we have to we have to thank him continually for the blessings, and not just the blessings, but the struggles. I think um, through our lives, we have to be grateful for for the struggles that we go through because we have to. Within that struggle, we know there's something great going to come from it. We can go through times, uh, and we don't know why we're going through those situations, but you know, in the midst of it. Yeah. It's the hardest thing to do. Yeah. Say, God, thank you for this. Thank you that uh, I'm experiencing this thing this now because I know God, you're using this for your purpose. You're you're strengthening me and I'm going to be able to use this and apply it in my life and apply it to someone else's life when they're struggling with things. So whatever this blessing or whatever this lesson is that I'm supposed to learn within this struggle, I thank you for that. Yeah. And I think it comes down to continuous prayer not just prayer when things are good not just prayer when things are bad prayer through all seasons i heard um a worship leader say this at a past worship night we don't pray because of a circumstance or we don't thank god because of the circumstance but we thank god through all circumstances it's not just oh life's going good life's going bad whatever through all things we thank god and continuous prayer and I want to pull this verse. Um, it's a big chunk, but um, I just want to read this because 
what the first time I heard this, I was like, dang, that's good. And so I love this section of verses, first Kings 18, um, 41 through 46. Um, so then Elijah said to Ahab, go get something to eat and drink. I hear a mighty rainstorm coming. So there hadn't been rain for a little bit. And now, um, Elijah, he hears a mighty rainstorm coming. And so Ahab went to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel and bowed down to the ground and prayed with his face between his knees. And then he said to his servant, go and look towards the sea. Then the servant went and looked and then returned to Elijah and said, I don't, I didn't see anything. Seven times Elijah told him, go and look, go again, go again, go again, go again, go again. Finally, the seventh time his servant told him, I see hmm, I see a little cloud. It's about the size of a man's hand rising from the sea. Then Elijah shouted, Hurry, hurry to Ahab and go tell him, climb in your chariot and go back home. If you don't hurry, the rain will stop you. And soon the sky was black with clouds and a heavy wind brought a terrific rainstorm and Ahab left quickly for Jezreel. Yeah, Jezreel. I'm going to act like I know what that uh, name is. But then the Lord gave special strength to Elijah. He tucked his cloak into his belt and ran ahead of Ahab's chariot all the way to the entrance of Jezreel. I love that section. But it's literally like he told him seven times, go again. Go go look again. Go look again. Was that this, Michael Todd that did that sermon? No, it was Chad Beach at our church. Oh, it was Chad yeah. Beach. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I remember him doing that. He was so funny. Yeah. He's yeah. like, he's like, go again. Yeah. Go again. Go again. <laughs> Running around on the stage yeah. making that. <laughs> it was good. Yeah. Um, you can watch that sermon. Uh, Bayside Community Church, Chad Beach. It's called The Cycle of Prayer, I believe. Um, very good sermon. But I love that because it says, go again. He told them seven times, go, 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 go look, go look for God to move, go look for the cloud. But he was obedient. Yeah. And did that. He, he just, he just kept going. <laughs> and Not willingly, time. but he did it. And then when he saw the one cloud, he was like, well, <laughs> I well, see I see something, man. <laughs> it's not much. <laughs> but the thing is, this entire time, Elijah was praying. He didn't stop. When his servant came back, he said, Look, bruh, the, the sixth time, like, dog, there is nothing there. And all of a sudden, uh, Elijah's like, bruh, go again. Go again. I know God's going to do it. Go again. I know it's going to happen. Go again. And this is the kind of spirit we have to have. We can't give up when the sixth time. If the sixth time Elijah said, well, oh, well, I guess God was wrong. It would have been over then. But Elijah continued to pray because he knew that God would work. It comes back to waiting. They that wait on the Lord will renew their strength. And it comes down to us waiting and trusting in God. Trusting that it's going to come to pass. Trusting that's actually going to happen. Because with the faith it will. With your faith it will. And I want to, the last example. I'm not going to read the verse, but... There's an example of when, <laughs> when Jesus, he was, there was this, I think it was a 12-year-old girl, and she had died. And 
this guy, this dad comes up to him and he's like, look, man, my, my daughter just died. I know you can heal her. Um, can you just come to my house and heal her? And he's like, sure. And so he goes and when he gets there, he, there was already all the mourners there. Everyone was there already crying, wailing, whatever. And he said, get out. She's only sleeping. And it, and then I, I break that down and I wonder why he said, get out because Jesus has the power to do anything. But he says, get out because he knew the doubt of the room because it says when he said she's only sleeping, they laughed at him. He knew the doubt of the room could kill the miracle he's working. Be careful who you surround yourself with because the miracle God's trying to work could be killed with the surround with who you're surrounding yourself with because there's power and what you surround yourself with, and there's power and who you trust in. God's going to work a miracle through your situation, but it comes down to you having the faith for it to happen. Yeah, amen. So, that's episode six? Seven. 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 Sorry. Seven of the Jurist Family Podcast. Thank you guys for listening. To the end, it has been an hour and five minutes. We'll see you next Monday.